on the viewpoint. 2107, thanks indeed. Thanks indeed, my dear brother, for wonderfully reading the news there. Much appreciated. Hashtag Health on Monday, of course, is the segment in which we now enter. Last week, Thursday, the government employees medical scheme, GEMS, the biggest closed medical aid scheme with some 750,000 members and 1.9, just under 2 million dependents, brought together industry leaders to engage on the future of healthcare in the country at its 2021 symposium. Themed Healthcare 2021 and Beyond, the symposium discussed folk discussions focused on healthcare outlook beyond 2021, hurdles in the vaccine rollout, lessons learned, solutions and matters related to distribution of the jabs in the country. Since last year, December, many countries around the world have approved and started deploying COVID-19 vaccines to millions. Bahrain, United States, the UAE have emerged as champions in the vaccine race, reaching more than their populations and almost every other country. What can then, as a nation, we learn from these other countries with the ensuring of an effective rollout? And of course, today being one of the critical days in where the rollout went live in many parts of the country. The principal officer at GEMS, the person who really is out for you as a member and as a dependent, Mr. Stanley Mulwabi, of course, Dr. Stanley Mulwabi. So good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good evening, Songhez. Good evening to the listeners. Indeed. Let's talk about the broader concepts of the symposium, Healthcare 2021 and beyond. Well, basically what uh, the symposium uh, set uh, to achieve was to look at our circumstances. And uh, really, uh, the focus at the moment is uh, the pandemic uh, for COVID-19. Uh, we we sought to look at what is the measure, and the biggest measure, you know, that we are busy with is the vaccination mm. uh, of of the population, with a view to achieving uh, herd immunity. And we know that uh, the target is to uh, vaccinate uh, plus minus forty million uh, people uh, for us to uh, achieve herd immunity. So. Uh, people, when we had the symposium, uh, the whole population was eagerly away. Uh, uh, today, mm. when phase two of uh, the vaccination program would start, and uh, basically uh, we had experts who were talking about various aspects of uh, vaccination. What are those experts saying as they comment on South Africa's response to COVID-19, but particularly now the business end of it, as it were, the vaccination rollout? What are some of the things those who had an opportunity to air, are they either optimistic about or somewhat pessimistic about? I think we have no choice uh, but to be optimistic, and that's really the message that was coming out. Uh, for instance, you know, there's a lot of talk about which vaccine is the best vaccine. So Dr. Omar, who is from the CDC, uh, uh, basically in Africa, the Center for Disease Control in Africa, uh, basically mm-hmm. was saying the most important thing that we should do is that when you have the vaccine, the one that is in the arm is the best vaccine. So uh, it was not about pessimism. It was being optimistic, uh, uh, considering your own circumstances. And what are our circumstances is that 
uh, and this came from the Department of Health, that the rate-determining step uh, for how, 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 how fast we will uh, vaccinate is the supply, the supply. And we do know that there have been challenges with regard to supply. And it is not only in uh, South Africa, but it's a worldwide problem where the first world countries seem to be holding uh, the vaccine. And as a result, you know, uh, countries like uh, that are in Africa are battling at the moment with the supply. That is our biggest challenge at the moment. You preface your response by saying we have no choice but to be optimistic. Is that the principal officer at GEMS speaking, or is it the commentators at the symposium speaking, given the fact that you've already highlighted some of the challenges, a lot of which are systemic, in the response to ultimately the jabbing of the nation? Well, it's me speaking on the, uh, and based on what was said, and I, I have no reason to disagree with what was said. Uh, I think uh, the, the, the speakers were honest, and uh, these are, and that is why we are saying we do recognize the challenge that we have been uh, slow, uh, you know, off the ground. But it is not uh, out of our own doing in South Africa. There were some external uh, challenges that I think the government has has done their best to try and overcome. What is your comment insofar as it relates to some of the? utterances that are coming through that billionaire healthcare business owner from South Africa originally, now based in the United States, California, particularly Patrick Sunsiong, has signed a deal, and I'm not so sure exactly to what extent that deal is all about, but with BioVac, the vaccine manufacturer in the country. What do you know about that, and what can you share so far with South Africans? And specifically, what can you share of optimism for GEMS members? No, no, I think that is uh, what what you know uh, about that is, uh, uh, what I know about that is basically what, uh, what is there in the public, of course, uh, out uh, in the public space in terms of, I think there was an article over the weekend that uh, referred to that. I think if uh, that article as was said, uh, you know, if that donation I think it's a good thing if we have uh, uh, philanthropists who are going to be donating uh, to the country those that, those type of amounts to assist us. I think it's a good thing. And that's my personal opinion. And this opinion is based on what I read. Let's evolve this opinion. The was supposed to be, and it hasn't quite gotten off the ground, the state drug manufacturer. I mean, this is a conversation in the region of 20 years old. Specifically speaking as the, albeit closed, but I mean, you've got, what, 750,000 members, just under 2 million beneficiaries, and I think you're only bettered by discovery, at least on a numbers perspective, what would the benefit be if the country had developed the necessary skills, the necessary resources and science behind establishing capacity for itself to be able to respond to such global pandemics? Now it's COVID. Tomorrow it could be something else. And yet we don't have a state-sponsored drug manufacturer on the scale that other countries have done and as a result are able to respond to COVID as they have. Uh, we, 
we are the second biggest medical scheme uh, in the country after discovery, as you said. But if you look at the approach of government, everybody has been treated the same, whether you belong to a medical scheme or not. And uh, the, the government has been very, very clear that nobody is going to be uh, favored, whether you belong to a medical scheme or you don't. So I think uh, it wouldn't really make a difference whether we have the capacity to uh, develop a vaccine in South Africa or not. The benefit would be to all of us as citizens of the country because government government has demonstrated in this case that uh, nobody's going to be favored. You're not going to have access to, to, to the vaccine just based on your ability to pay. Dr. Molwabi, here's my question. No, not what you're responding to. My question is, I'm responding to the fact that this country should have a state pharmaceutical company, specifically Ketlapel. How is the non-existence thereof? It exists, of course, but only in paper, but it doesn't have any rollout or any clinical produce or work that it should have done millions of rands later, but it isn't doing. Now, I'm asking you, you are gems, how is the absence of the work of Ketlapela affecting you as gems? Put differently, what would we be celebrating as a nation if indeed the state pharmaceutical, Ketlapela, had been around and doing its work? That's the question. Oh, no. I mean, you, you, your question is, as gems members, would that would have been an advantage if we had a state pharmaceutical company. My answer to you is the benefit would not accrue only to GEMS members. The benefit would accrue to all of us as South Africans if we have to take government's uh, policy direction into to, uh, in, into consideration. That is basically why I'm answering that there wouldn't be any uh, preferential benefits to GEMS members. If that was the case, and it isn't the case, and we do need to deal with the reality, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of averse to getting into the uh, not the practicalities. I would rather we deal with the practicalities of what we are faced with. That is what we are faced with. I'm saying this because there are many persons, for instance, who fall under gems who would benefit, of course they would benefit together with the country, but a benefit nonetheless that would accrue to gems. And I'm asking you because you are the principal officer. I, and, and, and this is not something that one can be proud about, I get constant appraisals from Discovery with all sorts of things that are doing in parallel to other um, work that is done in private sector, but specifically of government. And I can get myself a jab any time. I could have gotten myself the COVID test at any given time. Now, that's what my medical aid scheme is doing for me. And to that extent, I don't have to worry myself too much about what the state services are because I'm fortunate to bypass that by buying my way out of it. Now, specifically, I'm asking these questions for the benefit of those members who are GEMS, the second biggest in the country. I would imagine you've got some lobbying power, particularly when your membership base is in the public sector. The absence of Ketlapela must surely be a problem, a problem which, if it did exist, would manage better the healthcare outcomes for your 1.9 million dependents and 750,000-odd members. So it's not true that uh, because you belong to a specific medical aid, you are able to get the vaccine ahead of 
those who don't have the medical scheme. And this is the con. This is basically the basic tenet of universal health care, which in this case, and government has been criticised for not allowing the private sector to procure the vaccine ahead of what it is doing. Mm-hmm. And I think the basic thing here is applying universal health care coverage concepts where you are saying access to health should not be based on ability to pay. Mm-hmm. It must be based on need. And in this case, the, the categories that have been determined to receive the vaccine first are based on who has the highest risk of uh, uh, correct of, of, of getting covered. So let us really be, and I think we should really appreciate and applaud the government for taking such a, a decision. Difficult as it is, I am one of those who would be privileged. But I had to wait my, um, I had to wait my, 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 my chance, you know, based on how, what the risk categories are. And it's a good thing. And I think we should start appreciating the fact that access to health care must not be based. And this is where the world is going, on ability to pay. It should be based on uh, health care needs. You sound like a proponent of universal health coverage in the form of NHI. Would I be correct? Absolutely. Some of the systemic challenges, of course, then, are quite real, which we cannot be ignored in terms of how such things would be rolled out. For instance, COVID and PPE procurement last year told us that we don't have a state capacity that is in charge of our public funds on distributed or spent, particularly at critical emergency times under the guise of a national emergency. Do those consideration or do those factors, when you consider state capacity, not weigh heavy? on whether or not the practical realization and implementation of NHI would be severely hampered from the little evidence in, what, a year and a year and a half of COVID, what we have seen for the most part, at least when we account for resources, that we don't have a good story to tell. I think any transition is difficult. And the challenges that are there, I hope, you know, we all learn from whatever challenges uh, that have emerged from this, it would have been easier if all of us in this world were people who really look at uh, the needs of the country, the needs of everybody. But it is not that, that the reality is that people have got their own agendas. And unfortunately, with the first, uh, you know, the, the first procurement uh, of the PPEs, we are faced with those challenges. My view, and it's my sense, is that uh, there has been learnings, and uh, in this procurement, it would appear that uh, government has really taken every step to try and avoid a repeat of what we experienced with the PPEs. So I think we should also applaud them on that basis. And we can only hope that as a country, we learn from this type of experience. Johannesburg, 714-2006, are your GEMS employee. This is as good a time to engage the one person who sits at the Board of Trustees level as Principal Officer, Dr. Stanley Moloavi. Ask him any questions around your medical aid scheme, but particularly insofar as it relates to the rollout of the vaccine. And anything else that you have heard him comment on, of course, it is an open conversation that you can participate in. From East London, first-time caller, Madwaka, good evening. 
There seems to be some kind of a background noise. Um, am I audible? Indeed you are. Okay, good. Look, earlier on you asked the doctor um, regarding the state pharmaceutical company, and I have a sense that um, he might have dodged your, your question uh, or misunderstood you because I, don't, I didn't get his answer really to your question. Whilst he may have given some responses, uh, but I didn't get his answer. Um, um, I think basically the, the existence of the state pharmaceutical company would have had an impact uh, to whether we have easy or should I say affordable access and quick access to, you know, the vaccines, not just uh, the COVID-19 vaccines. As you would know that one of the issues regarding the, uh, the, the current vaccines has to do with the price tag, you know. But unfortunately, that Dr. Stanley didn't respond to that issue. Um, I wanted to highlight that I was, I was very, I was looking forward, you know, to getting a response from his side regarding that. Still in fact, no, I'm not from James Booty, I'm from Caesar, but this is an interesting conversation. Yes. I'm paying attention. Stay on the line, please, Madwak, and perhaps you can engage Dr. Stanley Moloabi. Dr. Okay. Moloabi, you there? Yes, I'm still here. I'd, I'd love to, I'd, I thought I'd indicated that the benefit to the members of GEMS, and he is a member of Caesar Medical Scheme, the benefit to all of us would be the same. And it's that whatever the state pharmaceutical company would be producing in terms of uh, medicines. And let us not also pretend or uh, make an assumption that just because there would be existence of a state pharmaceutical company, that it would be, you know, it would mean that it produces everything that the country needs. What if it would, uh, you know, the vaccine that we need now, they wouldn't be licensed to, 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 to produce it. So while it would be an advancement in terms of promoting access to health care, it doesn't mean that would be the silver bullet for, you know, to solve everything that we are faced with. The challenge in terms of healthcare access is quite big. And we know the policy direction of government in that instance. And it's not, a, it's not been an easy road. The country is moving towards universal healthcare coverage ultimately. But it is not an easy path that we have had to follow. So... It's not that I've dodged the, 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 the answer, the, the, the question. I have answered in the most practical way, uh, taking into consideration where we are as a country. Madwaka, do you have a follow-up very quickly, if any? <clears throat> not, not so much, Sonia. I know uh, even if even if we, we would have had a state pharmaceutical company that is functional, of course there would have been issues regarding efficiency and so forth and so forth. And of course, regarding the current vaccine, there would be issues as, as things stand now regarding intellectual property and all of that. But I'm, I'm glad you understand it certainly uh, reverted back to my question and clarified. There's no follow-up. Thank you indeed. Thank you indeed. Thank you indeed. Madwaka in East London. Thanks, Dr. Stanley. Doc, um, now that the symposium is something that has got some conference outcomes, as it were, what might you wish to highlight as something that then in the near future or in some time to come because of the systems that need to take place as a matter of 
sort of chronology. Nonetheless, something that South Africans should accept as their reality or GEMS members in particularly can now accept in terms of engaging not just their scheme but their healthcare journey for the purposes of the vaccine and beyond? The, the most important thing that we need to overcome is vaccination hesitancy. And uh, the survey that we did at GEMS uh, showed that 73% of our members are prepared and ready to have the vaccine. So uh, we would hope that everybody really embraces vaccination because it is important for us to defeat the pandemic. And then the second thing, which is very, very important, is let us follow what guidance guidelines we have been given. When you register on the EVDS, you have to wait after you have received uh, the SMS that uh, that confirms your registration. We need to wait for that second SMS that allocates you the time and the place in a voucher, which is a unique number that identifies you. Don't go to a vaccination center, even if you know where it is, unless you have received uh, the message that allocates you. I think that is very important for us to be structured the rollout. Talking about the rollout, government has set out some rather ambitious targets. And in fact, when you talk about 40 million South Africans getting the jab, do you see that happening in the light of the fact that we are now essentially halfway through the year and we went live essentially on the second phase after the um, frontline workers went out and now we're going for the over 60s? Do you, do you see South Africans really meeting the threshold that it has put forward for itself in terms of getting people vaccinated? Ultimately, ultimately, uh, it may not be at the pace that we would we would hope it happens. And the reason for that, for instance, if you look at the challenges that have arisen, we had a first batch of about a million doses, and unfortunately, we couldn't use it on the ex- uh, advice of the experts with the emergence of the first variant in South Africa. And then, subsequent to that, during the Sisonke trial. There were reports of the, the blood clots. Mm-hmm. The response, a responsible decision was taken by government to halt, you know, the rollout. And then only when uh, there was confirmation that this uh, uh, emergence of uh, blood clotting was a rare side effect that that happens, then the rollout started. So these were factors out of the you know the control uh, of uh, uh, the responsible. Uh, authority in terms of the pace at which we have the rollout. So at the moment, Mm -hmm. the biggest challenge seems to be, in fact, let me not say seems to be, the biggest challenge will be uh, mainly the pace at which we receive. Not the the new variant is not a challenge that you see worth sort of sweating over? You don't think that's going to be an issue insofar as it relates to the vaccine and the new challenge and now what we have since learned is the variant that has first been discovered in India? No, no, no. The the, the, the variants uh, are a challenge all over the world. It's a reality. All viruses mutate. And that was one thing that was explained very well Mm. at the symposium. Variants will always be there. The reason why uh, every year we don't use the same flu vaccine is because every year there's a new variant. So variants are a reality, and that's why there are scientists who advise what should 
the response be in relation to variants. So variants of concern, uh, it's how they are classified. These are monitored by the medical scientists. They advise what steps should be taken by government, you know, in response to the emergence of a variant. So definitely there'll always be a matter of concern. But the point I was answering to mm. is your question of whether we will make the, you know, the 67% uh, 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 target by the end of the year. I think already the department has been saying that definitely we're not going to finish, uh, reach that by the end of this year. But realistically, it will be sometime uh, uh, in 2022. So I think the, then the message becomes, while we are waiting, let us continue mm-hmm. to observe the non-medical uh, uh, measures, which is putting on our masks, social distancing, ensuring that we uh, observe the hygienic means to reduce the you know, the transmission of the virus. That would have been my final parting shot as well. So thank you so much for doing it so aptly and adequately, Dr. Stanley Mulabi, sir, for your time and all things discussed tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dr. Stanley Mulabi, Principal Officer at GEMS, Government Employees Medical Schemes. 2132, I'll say happy weekend to you guys tomorrow. It'll be Tuesday, my final slot. Good night.